Hello and welcome to Real Men Feel. This is your host, author, coach, and healer, Andy Grant. Thank you for joining us today as we talk about one of my favorite subjects, men and dogs. If you wish you saw yourself the way your dog sees you, as being lovable and perfect just as you are, book a one-on-one call with me to start the process. Visit theandygrant.com slash talk to learn more. That is theandygrant.com slash talk because you are worthy. My guest today is Michael Overly. Michael is a dog fanatic, an energy healer, and life purpose coach. We discuss the emotional bond between men and dogs, Michael's experiences with animals as a child, and the messages dogs have for us. We also explore the concept of being an alpha male and the differences between being a true alpha and a false alpha. Dogs see through our masks, fears, and bullshit. Wouldn't it be great if we let humans do that as well? Let's get to it. Hey, Michael, welcome to Real Men Feel. Awesome, Andy. Thank you so much for having me. You reached out, you described yourself as a dog fanatic, and I am as well. I have, you know, I've every dog I've owned as an adult has been a, a rescue dog. We've talked about dog. I've had a three-legged dog, a tripod named Sadie, who we had to put down during the Real Men Feel run. So there's a whole show about the importance of that bond between men and dogs. And even before that, I wrote a book about my hound dog Homer that we had for 10 years and then lost him. And I wrote a blog about the six lessons I learned, life lessons from my dog. And it got picked up. It was in a, a Hay House book. It was, Louise Hay did a whole thing about healing from heartache. And me and Homer are in that bigger book as well. So strong connection with dogs and all animals. So when you reached out, I was really like, definitely excited to talk to you. So where did your connection with dogs and or all animals begin for you? Oh man, when I was a kid, I mean, ever since I was a little, before I can remember, my folks told me that I was just connected with animals. When I was probably three or four, my mom couldn't find me one day and she had to search the neighborhood yards and she finally found me in a neighbor's house. I had crawled through their dog door and was playing with their dog. And she had to coax me back out with M&Ms to get me to come back outside. So, I mean, literally before I can remember, I've been connected to animals. Cool. Yeah. And were you connecting with animals easier than people or were you connecting with everything that was alive kind of easy for yourself? Animals more so than people. Yeah, I was uh, immediately comfortable, you know, dogs, cats, whatever. So I felt like I belonged with them. Cool. I grew up and as an adult, uh, battled uh, depression and multiple suicide attempts. And talking to the men, it's often that their dog is who sees them emotional their dog is yelling around when they do let themselves go, perhaps, and when and are crying and wailing and bawling, and it's it's just. And I've been I've been at that point of, of thinking <laughs> that I was suicidal, but not taking actions yet. And my dog would come and find me and like bring a ball to me and want to do something. And would dogs I find it like excellent at really being empathic, like noticing your mood and trying to change your mood. And is, is any of that resonate with your experiences? Oh, completely, I'm complete. Dogs they have senses that we can't even fathom. There's folks who can, you know, get in tune if they practice and allow themselves to get to that place. 
but animals have, they have a different way of seeing things. They, they have a different way of being, and they notice things that we have no clue of. They can read our energy is what yeah. it comes down to. And they know how we're doing before we know how we're doing. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So I know that you are an energy worker, an energy healer. And let's see, are animals somehow part of that? Or like, is, is this a natural gift you discovered you had? Or did you have training or both? How, how did that, has, how was that unfolded for you? And it was kind of a catalyst for all of this for me. It was a number of years ago, my, my older brother passed away. And he was kind of like my hero. He was a pretty amazing guy. And I grieved him so hard. And it, during that process, it just literally cracked me open. And I realized then that I needed to be different and I wanted to live differently. And then I heard about energy healing, healing touch for animals is what it's specifically called. And so I went and got trained in that. And then I, then I realized that I don't, I don't necessarily need that one thing to allow me to move energy. And then I, I went and saw a guy who was basically a shaman. And he's like, oh my God. He said, you don't, he said, you're moving so much energy. It's, it's crazy. I was just on fire. And so I've, I've taken some other training with, uh, you know, with Reiki and some other things. And I've studied about eight others just to find my place. And one day I was giving a distance session to a Reiki master friend and found this completely other thing for myself. And that works for me. And it's beautiful. But with the dogs, I've witnessed like my dog, Darby. I don't know how it happened. My Reiki master was on a table. I was practicing, giving her a session and she'd been complaining about her knee pain, but I wasn't focusing on her knee. Darby jumps up on the table and lays right across her knee. And within a minute, she's like, oh my God, my knee's better. Yeah. So I've been, I was introduced to it. I trained in it. And then I've just, I've been exposed to things I can't even explain. Hmm. So yeah, your website is dogsandmen.com. So is it you and your dog helping people or do you only help men that have dogs? Like how, 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 how does the dogs come into play with, with what you do for people? Absolutely. Got it. So I help men who have a dog find a better way, find a different way to be. And is that better way by letting the dog take the lead? Is there, are there lessons to learn from our dogs? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's all about paying attention to what your dog's probably been trying to tell you and show you all this time. We think we make all these choices even around our animals. I guess we don't realize the influence that they actually have. So are there common themes that most dogs are trying to get across to their owners, to men, or is it really unique in case to case? Well, it's both, I think. Most dogs are trying, whether it's men or women, most dogs are trying to, through unconditional love and presence, let that person know that they are absolutely perfect inside, that they are enough, that they don't need whatever it is out there that they're seeking. And that's a tough lesson for us to learn. When you, at a young age, or anyone, because I, I had this experience too. When, when, again, when I was depressed, thought I was a loser and just wanted to end my life, all dogs liked me. Am I tricking dogs or do they know something? And that was something I would play with in my own head. So is it that natural gift of presence that dogs have that allows them to you know, be present and see kind of the truth behind the, the mask that people put on? Yeah, that's definitely part of it. And again, they have an intelligence that we can't quantify. They don't care about blueprints and the Krebs cycle and all these things that we think are important, they have a different way of, of viewing things. It allows them greater insight because we're, we're so fuddled. We have so much going on all the time. We can't see straight. So a lot of what I do is energy work too. And I just call it energy work and don't try to give it more labels. But I always say that everybody does that. Like everybody is psychic. Everybody can use energy because we're doing it all the time. 
So is that why dogs can connect with people and kind of know your mood? Like they are, again, naturally reading our energy. Is that what's happening? Absolutely. They're naturally just tapped in. Don't forget, they're still a dog. So there's going to be some behaviors that we we still just go, what? That we may not ever get because it's still a dog. But they have these abilities to sense something that we're hiding, we're holding, we're burying, we're, we're keeping pushed down. I had an Australian Shepherd when, and I was suicidal when I was 12. And that dog, he kept me going. He just knew. He knew. He would change what he was doing based on how I was feeling. Yeah, I definitely had that experience too. So maybe this is a key takeaway right now that, and I've heard this from people that, you know, if you're not sure that you should keep going, like, yeah, get a pet, give yourself a reason, give yourself something to take care of. And also that will help notice and reflect your mood back to you and, and try to change it too. When they, when they see that it's, you're not living your best life, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. Get somebody to love. We have such a hard time loving ourselves. And that's, I want to take this back to the bond between dogs and men. I think that bond is different because men have a harder time. We have a harder time expressing ourselves, you know, showing our feelings, expressing our love, being affectionate, being open and honest even. And I think when we're alone with our dogs and no one's around, no one's listening, we can open up and tell them all the things that we can't tell our friends or our mom or our wife, whatever the case may be. Nothing special there. Again, in my experience, a dog won't judge you. Like no one's afraid of, oh, if my dog sees how I'm actually feeling, if, if, you know, if I let my guard down, if I'm actually myself, if I express how I'm feeling, that my dog will, you know, pick up their bowl and, and leave the house. <laughs> like, you know, they won't, you know, it's, it's pretty hard to be ostracized by your dog. Yeah, your dog doesn't care that you're overweight and cruising around on your BBDs or whatever. You know, they don't care that you suck at tennis. They don't care. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter what it is. They're just there with you, period, end of story. Yeah. Hmm. So is any of that why some people find that they get along better with animals than people? Is it the animals aren't putting on an act? There's no show to kind of break through? Yeah, absolutely. They can be completely upfront and honest with this animal because, one, they're not going to be judged. Two, no matter what they say or do, they're going to receive love from that animal. Three, there's something being reflected back to them. And I think this is important. Most people may not get this part of it. The animal's just trying to show them that they can be like that all the time. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Instead of mirroring back who we're supposed to be and all these rules about what it means to be a man and how, you know, all the, the oldest joke around men is, you know, we don't even ask for directions. So we're not going to, we're not going to ask for help. And a thing I say over and over in this show is that, is that silence kills men and a dog can see through that. Like you can be silent near with a dog and they'll still know what's going on for you. Yes. Is this true for every dog or if someone's looking, if someone visits a shelter and and wants to pick a dog out, is it the dog that comes to you fastest is, you know, tells a person that this dog is really sensing and connecting with them? Oh, that's good. That's really good. So it, it depends on how open the person is. So, you know, we get, we get hung up on, oh, this is my favorite breed. I'm going to go look for this. I love Dobermans. I got to find a Doberman. You go to the pound and there's, there's just a plethora of whatever. You don't know what you're going to walk into. So if someone was to do that, I would recommend going in and just spending 10 seconds standing in front of each cage and seeing what you feel. Not who comes to you first, not the one who's tremoring in the corner and won't approach you at all, just, but just notice and see, did you feel anything with any of the dogs? What sort of feelings told you that Darby was for you? Oh, 
Good question. I was living in a cabin in the mountains southwest of Denver, and I was renting it from this guy, the lower level of it. And he told me, yeah, you can get a dog. So I was looking one night, I was, I was working for a medical device company at the time, and I was up late working 2 a.m. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to start looking. So I was searching the kennels, blah, blah, blah. And I saw this, a link to an article, and there was this dog that was about to be put down. He was a partial pit bull rescued from a dog fighting thing. And so I clicked the link and the picture popped up. I'm like, there's my dog. That's him. He was looking right through me through the picture. So I emailed the lady. She emailed me back at like, you know, before 4 a.m. And the next day they brought, brought him over and that was it. Cool. So I, I had a dog, a rescue dog named Homer. And he was 10 years old. And I kept getting messages, feelings from him that he wasn't going to be around that much longer. And I thought it was going to be this long, drawn out thing. But for the first time in his life, he ran out of our yard. We have an invisible fence. And he, he was killed at the end of our driveway. First time I left the yard. And, and I worked with animal communicators that just said, oh, he was trying to tell you. But like, like an animal will kind of consciously choose their time more. And it was, it was really like hard to receive that. But, mm-hmm. but anyway, six months after that, I'm browsing the side of the shelter where my wife would actually volunteer and where Homer came from. And there was a video of this three-legged dog, Sadie, that had been there and no one was taken. I'm like, oh my God. And I was like, I was just like, oh, and then I got that, oh my God, that that's my dog. Oh my God. And I called, called my wife, I'm like, how do you feel about a three-legged dog? And she's like, great. She, she would have said great to whatever I had said about any dog, you know, at that point. But, you know, immediately knowing and, and going there and getting her and again, getting her, I kept having this sense that she wasn't going to last as long. And she, she lived six years and she ended up developing seizures. We don't know what caused them, but just so we had to put her down. And then six months later, I keep thinking I'm going to take this longer gap. But again, looking at this website and I saw a picture of Scout, who's our dog now. And looking at all the pictures, I'd look at Scout and I started crying. And the first time that happened, I thought, oh, this must mean I'm still mourning my loss of Sadie. I'm not ready for a dog. So a week goes by, I go back and I come to her picture and I start crying again. I'm like, all right, maybe this means I'm supposed to act on this. And we find out that Scout had been adopted and returned. She was so high energy. And me me and my wife were energy workers, we're energy coaches. We went to see like, oh, we can deal with an energetic dog. And you know, we've had Scout now for three years and yeah, she is the most energetic dog I've ever owned. And she's like, she's finally calming down a little bit. You know, she'll get the zoomies inside the house, mm-hmm. you know, three times a day for 20 minutes straight. And so we have so much destroyed furniture and all sorts of destruction, but it's this joyful destruction. You know, I get that experience of even before they're your dog, there is this communication. If you're willing to be open to receiving it, there, there's, mm-hmm. there is the bond even before You've made a relationship. There is a bond from the get-go. Yeah. And that is energetic in nature. So there's, I don't know if people believe in the universe, law of attraction, however you want to frame it, but there's something greater out there than we can comprehend that is helping guide us. And I think certain animals are brought to certain people for certain reasons. Yeah, definitely. Do all animals have sort of this higher level purpose or is it only our, our domesticated pets that, that want to tell humans that, you're okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I would like to say, oh, yes, and the elk are especially good at this. But, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I've been around some some wildlife and been in a couple of scary situations where I wasn't hurt. I wasn't injured. And, and I felt just this calm and peace. Yeah. So, I, I think there's there's a potential there. But I think Dogs are, have been domesticated, brought to man for a reason, because we need help and they can deliver. So 
I know that you notice this bond with all animals from a really young age. Mm -hmm. And you also mentioned being suicidal at age 12 and, you know, perhaps later that there's two things we have in common for sure. Mm -hmm. And when did that come together and lead your, to your desire to be of service, to be, to become a coach and a healer? When did, how did that unfold? That unfolded after, we'll go back to the death of my brother. I had anger issues for a long time. Uh, drinking problem. I'd been sober for a long time, but you know, all sorts of stuff that probably needed to be modified in my life. And so when I had this incredible grieving process, Darby was right there, stepped in and just, I just felt something different. And I said, I need, there's all these things I need to investigate. And I was voracious. I was trying all these things and I was doing, you know, journeying with shamans and, you know, hanging out in yurts with all these folks doing stuff and different types of energy work. And I just like kept being pulled further and further and further. And I realized I need to go help others with this. Yeah. There's so much here. There's so much more available to us and we're the only ones hindering ourselves. So we have these amazing creatures that are here to help us. They're of service all the time. I and mean, think of service animal, right? I didn't come up with that. They're always there and they know something we don't. And for those who are willing to listen and open to it, it's incredible. What about people, can you get the wrong pet? Do people have pets that just don't belong with them and are kind of, you know, the energy doesn't match? Is that, does that happen? Is that a possibility? Absolutely. Oh yeah. And again, people, you know, what is your reason for getting that animal? Why do you have this dog? What chose, or I'm sorry, what drove that choice of this animal? What is the lesson in that for you? I know a woman who just, she wanted to rescue this little poor dog so badly. It was a greyhound and she did she probably didn't listen to herself. I'm not sure exactly how it went down, but the dog ended up biting her and putting her in the hospital a number of times and she had to get rid of it. So like, what was that all about? You know, I kind of wonder. So if in a, the most positive relationship with your dog, they're telling you that you're fine as is, they're loving you unconditionally, they're trying to teach you to be present and listen to your instincts, to listen to the energy, develop your empathy, whatever it might be. When there isn't that connection, is that also, is there a message there as well? Oh, absolutely. There's always a lesson. There's always a lesson. Everything in life is a test if you want to look at it that way. Hmm. But are you listening? Are you paying attention? You know, just because you rescued the dog, brought him home, doesn't mean that that animal belongs with you long-term. But there's a reason they're there. Hmm. So what are some other common things that in your experience, owning a dog or working with people, what are dogs trying to tell their owners that perhaps the owners are oblivious to? That they can soften up a little bit. You know, our dogs, they, they can go from being fun, energetic to being just calm and docile and quiet, you know, in a matter of minutes and go from super hyper to out cold. It's okay. We can slow down a little bit. We don't have to, we don't have to fight so hard all the time. So you mentioned that fighting so hard. I, there's another subject I want to talk to you about, and that's the notion of the alpha male. And you have a nice piece on your, on your site talking about a false alpha and, and the real alpha male. And in my experience, <laughs> to look at the social media landscape, what shows you're an alpha man is that you call others beta. And you go, you're a beta, you're a beta, you're a beta, and therefore that means you're an alpha. And I'm always astounded by the level of you know, discourse around this and, and guys that are out to you know, teach you to be an alpha man. And all the you know, if everyone that was an alpha male was... Like, doesn't every pack of wolves or dogs, isn't there only one alpha in any group? Well, let's go to a pack of wolves. So they have an alpha male and an alpha female. Now, the alpha male 
he'll keep people, or I'm sorry, he'll keep the other animals in line if he needs to, but he's not walking around and, you know, oh, I'm the big dog, I'm the big dog. And they're not also not necessarily the strongest animal in the pack hmm. physically. You know, they don't have the biggest stature necessarily. They have a presence though. With a glance, they can get everybody to shut up if needed. So it's much more about owning an energy than being physically dominating. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, you know, thumping their chest and biting everything that walks by. They are leading in a completely different way. So they can be soft. They can be gentle, play with the other dogs, you know, show affection. And at times when they need to, they step in and, and get things straightened out. But it's not this constant, you know, tough guy, macho thing. And everybody's a wimp and blah, blah, blah. I'm the big man on campus. And that's not it. Great. And the noise that I hear, that still seems to be the case when everyone's talking about it. Because I, I told you before we start recording, if people come up, I'm like, hey, I want to talk about being an alpha male. I'm like, oh, I'm so over that. I'm, I'm not interested. Because usually they're talking what hits me and it sounds like you as this false notion of it and mm -hmm. the act of it and acting like we think an alpha man is supposed to be as opposed to, you know, I love that yours had, you know, sensitivity and the whole title of this program, you know, real men feel. Yeah. Strength, energy, power, charisma, all also allows for every emotion that there is. Yeah. There aren't some alpha emotions and beta emotions and, you know, it's just no, we're available for all of them, ideally. Absolutely. And then the alpha female, she has her role too in the pack, but also leads similarly. Now, interestingly, in a lot of animal groups, the ladies lead the show. So that, a lot of the men out there are going to be like, no, I can't be. Yeah. I'm the man. Nope. <laughs> Look at the black widows. Female is huge. The male is small. They mate. He tries to take off. She eats him. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to be nice to the ladies from here on out. Yeah. Yeah, I've had the honor and privilege to visit Africa a couple times and see the big cats in the wild. And it's it's the female, you know, the the lion being the the king of the jungle. I'm like, yeah, boy, from what I saw, it's the queen of the jungle running the show and doing all the hunting and, you know, doing all the work. And, you know, the male lion just like kind of loafing around most of the time. Yeah, he makes a lot of noise, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the women are out there taking care of business. Well, you can take this all the way back to Darwin in his theory of survival of the fittest. Actually, it was started out as survival of the strongest, but it got changed to the fittest. And he believed that it was, you know, basically the toughest, strongest, biggest, fastest that survived and created all these mutations that brought us to the life that we have now. It's not the case. And he yeah. later tried to retract his theory and it already stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've read often that like in all of his books, cooperation and partnerism is talked about way more than survival of the fittest, but that was somehow the became the catchphrase and they, they got tagged on him. But no, he talked about, I believe it's the most resilient animals are who evolved and adapted, right? Being adaptable. Because again, the, our distorted notion, at least of an alpha man is, you know, unchanging and just strict by the book and just always on, always strong, always whatever you think alpha means. But adaptability, resilience, you know, reading the energy, being able to, you know, be like water <laughs> and, and navigate life yeah. easier. That's the real key. That's how we. That's how all creatures evolve. Oh, yeah. well, I love that you brought it to be like water. Bruce Lee, he was fascinating. Everybody remembers him as a martial artist, but he was a philosopher. He was beautiful. He had a lot of amazing things to say. If you think tough guy is where it's at, read some Bruce Lee philosophy. Yeah. His daughter cool. Shannon just released a, a new book, actually, on his philosophies. Huh. Yeah. So can dogs help men discover that true alphaness as opposed to the the false, the bravado? 
Absolutely. And is that part of your work? Is that you help guys? Is it via your love for an animal that you can uncover the love for yourself and others? Perfect. Perfect. I need you to write the copy for my website <laughs> next time. We'll go with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, think about, you know, even you've got the big tough guy when he goes home and he's with his dog, he's, you know, it's a bitchy, get you, bitchy, you know, <laughs> he would die if anybody saw him doing that, but he can baby talk with his dog and play and cuddle and, and rub and, and kiss him and, you know, but out, out, in, out in society, he's going to, you know, er, er, er. So how do you allow yourself to, to become soft and gentle and beautiful yet strong? You can still be strong, but you don't have to be dominating and, and overbearing. How do you allow your dog in to help you with that? And that's part of what I do. There's a strength and weakness. To be vulnerable, you've got to be strong and not just be vulnerable and like fall apart and never put yourself back together again. In my opinion, that's not true vulnerability. Vulnerability is, is a willingness to open up, to share, to show what's really going on. And, and then again, using your resilience, come back and do what's needed to be done in whatever the, the, that day is unfolding as. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I've got a chapter in my book I'm writing and it's called The Power of Vulnerability. Beautiful. So what's the title of the book? Don't know yet. Ah, cool. Don't so it's, it's that, that early yeah. stages. Well, I'll be submitting it here pretty soon to my publisher and oh, cool. uh, yeah, I'll keep you updated. I don't, I don't know what the heck to call it yet. It's the presence of dog musings on a human and how his dog saved his life or something. Yeah. Was Darby the dog that saved your life? Yeah. He was there at the moment of my opening and took me further. So that, that lead dog <laughs> for a yeah. while when you couldn't lead yourself in the best way. Yeah. He led me to the most amazing thing. I'm, you know, he passed away a couple months ago and I'm still unwrapping his gifts as we say. No, I hear that. Now, when they, you know, losing Sadie recently, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not looking forward to Facebook. I don't want Facebook reminding me with all the, here's your memory of a year ago, the picture of you and your dog. And oh, damn it. And, you know, but uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely the pain of loss is equal to the, the joy of living with them. But, you know, that's what makes it all better. And I've certainly have seen people that like lose an animal and like the next day, go get it, go get another animal. And so I'm like, boy, I feel like to me, that's always like my, my dad had a, had a pug and it died. And he, two days later, he went out and bought another pug yeah. and they looked like he would call it the old name. He would forget that it was a new pug. And they're just like, boy, that feels like it's just intentionally trying to avoid the pain that is really there. And yeah. yeah. And that grief is so important for us to oh, feel. Absolutely. If we run from pain, we hide from pain. We think grieving makes us weak in some fashion. I, I don't understand that, but our society and culture tells us not to be weak. Not, you know, we got to be strong. There's so much to open for yourself if you actually allow yourself to be uncomfortable and grieve. Yeah. Yeah, the whole notion of weakness is such, uh, ugh, it's just such bullshit because what I find, the more, the longer and longer I do this show, I keep discovering that, you know, fear drives so many men without them realizing it. This fear of being seen as weak. But yet, if you confront them, like, oh, I'm not afraid of anything. Well, except for being seen as weak. Yeah, I guess I am afraid of that, right? So it's like, it's just this catch-22 of, ah. I'm not afraid of anything. So I keep acting this act up or, you know, all the false alpha men and the false bravado and the nonsense and the act. You know, long before COVID, every man's been wearing a mask and it takes strength and bravery to let that mask down, to let your guard down. Mm -hmm. And... Again, there's, uh, there's, not, there's nothing weak about that. It, it's the truest of strength. It's the most resilient adaptability. You know, it's, it's needed for the evolution of humanity. It is. So what, why are men doing this at home with their dogs where that's just natural? 
But then we go outside into society where we have, you know, all these different roles that we play. Yeah, it's fascinating. So why is it? What do, what do you, is, is there one overarching message from society that has men putting on the act and, or is it multitude of things? I think it's a multitude of things. Let's see, what, what kind of come up with the big three? Competition, you have to win. You have to be the winner. You have to be number one. And it doesn't matter who gets in your way. And that's where the false alpha comes in. Mm. They will elbow, bully, trip, cheat, lie, steal sometimes so that they can have that coveted spot, whatever that's about for them. Never let them see you cry. So we're told from an early age that we can't express ourselves. And there's so much bottled anguish and rage inside of people because they were told you can't express yourself. Three, fear of loss of love. Whatever your household was like, whether it was, you know, a childhood friend, whatever, everybody experiences loss. And so we we're more afraid of the feeling than the actual loss. So we hide from that. Yeah. I mean, again, it comes down to fear. I find once you can acknowledge you're afraid of something, the fear of it just diminishes incredibly so. Yeah. If you're that 300 pound Harley guy and you're going coochie, coochie, coo to your little chihuahua that nobody knows about, or you, you know, I've seen the biggest, strongest looking men, uh, you know, with the biggest act and they've got, you know, at home, their dogs are in tutus and they're dressing them up yeah. and stuff. And yeah. it's just like, and if they let everyone see that, just they'd have that much joy all the time. Exactly. There's a guy I see some mornings when I'm, I'm headed east to here. And he's a construction worker. He's got his vest on all the time. He's got to be 6'4", six, 6'5", six, right? He's, he's a towering guy. And he walks this little shih tzu. <laughs> you know, the thing weighs, he's about eight pounds. And he's just, you know, <laughs> and he doesn't care what anybody thinks. And I'm like, good for you, man. He loves that dog. That's true strength. And I, ideally, I would love that to be, you know, that's what, you know, alpha male. I wouldn't even want to get, get rid of those terms, but that's, that's maleness. That's masculinity is, I always say the only definition of masculinity that matters is yours. So if you like being a man means I parade around with my little dog and I talk baby talk to it and I give it treats whenever it wants and like, yep. And that, that's being a man. And, you know, ideally it's what, what feels good. And instead of us, yeah, there's this being caught up in, in competition and this fear of loss of love. And I guess that goes back to that bond. It's because our tightest bonds with animals are with the animals that we know always love us. Mm-hmm. Even if, uh, you yell at your dog, you forget to feed your dog, whatever it might be that you could upset the dog, they never stay upset. No, they discharge that and they're right back to it. Yeah. Speaking that discharge, I've even had, a, I do a Akashic record readings for clients and sometimes from the records they've said like, sh- literally shake it off, get up and shake like, like a dog does and to change your state, to change your energy. Yeah, that, you know, we've seen dogs when they, they'll get into it or, or they'll get hackles up or whatever and then they'll walk away and yeah, shake it off real quick and they're good and that's it. Yeah. That's yeah. it. It's not, you know, six years ago, he called me an asshole or, you know, it's gone. Yeah, I love that. Cool. I don't know if you can hear. In my house, Scout is now yep. <laughs> barking up a storm. So let's see something. We have deer and coyote and turkey in the yards here. So yeah, there's always, there's always something to spot. <laughs> cool. So Michael, what's the best way for people to find out more about you, learning about what you're up to and everything and, and the coming book? Yeah, I'll, so I'll, uh, that's a good idea. I'll be putting updates about the book on there too, probably. But I can be reached at www.dogsandmen.com. I can be reached by email in there as well, but I'll give you that. It's michael at dogsandmen.com. Hell, I'll give people my phone number. They can call me, 720-270-1078. Cool. Yeah. So it sounds like you've got a lot of things brewing. 
Tell me something that you're most excited about. Well, I'm launching a new online course. And that actually goes live. People can purchase anytime, but it'll actually start on September 6th, Labor Day. Yeah, another day of freedom, right? And for your listeners, I actually have a discount code. And it's the word PRESENCE in all caps, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, PRESENCE, and give them half off the course. Excellent. So tell us a little bit of the course then. What will people be learning in this course? Mm, So this is going to be for men who are willing to do some work. This is not for the faint of heart. Um, This is for guys who know that they want a different way. And there's going to be some looking inside. You will be creating dedicated time and space for yourself to do some opening and healing and just a ton of exercises with your dogs to help you get into a better state. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So Michael, I'm, uh, I'm excited to have gotten the chance to, to know you a little bit and hear about everything you're up to. Yeah. There's something, again, the, the love of dogs, there's a bond between men and dogs and it's neat that there's a bond between men who love their dogs as well. Yeah. Like there's a whole another level of level of level, all sorts of meta levels here. And so I, I, I really appreciate and admire everything that you're up to, everything you've gone through. And again, more, what I wish more men realize is that being of service is a great way to enjoy your own life mm-hmm. and to give back and to share that love. And if we could all treat everybody like they were our dogs and, you know, just be honest and open and authentic yeah. and know that they're still, you know, they got our back. They're still going to love us. You know, they're still going to still going to lick your face no matter what you say. Yep. <laughs> and yep. we can be that honest. Yeah. I've had people tell me, I want to come back as your dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, it would. Well, let's awesome. get it. Let's get it. Cool. All right. That's the mission. Again, thanks, Michael, for joining us. Thanks, everyone, for listening to us. Wherever you're discovering Real Men Feel, please subscribe, share with someone that, that you believe it would help, that would benefit them, post a review, a comment, reach out to me at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Always glad to hear from you. And if you want to talk, do some of that inner work, join me for a one-on-one conversation, visit theandygrant.com slash talk. And that's a private conversation. I'm not saying this is a show. Right? This is if you actually want to talk to me one-on-one and see how I might be your dog for a moment and mirror back how awesome you are as you are. And until next time, be good to yourself.